0: You're listening to an American Theater podcast. American Theater is a publication of Theater Communications Group, www.americantheater.org.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. This is American Theater's Off Script. It's July 21st, 2023. I'm Rob Weiner-Kent. him. I am the editor-in-chief of American Theater Magazine. I'm coming to you from the land of the Lenape in Queens. And I'm here with my colleagues.
2: Kylie Pearson, I'm the associate editor of American theater. My pronouns are she, her. I'm coming to you from the land of the Lenape in New Jersey. Um, and I'm also here with.
3: Oh, my turn. I'm Gerald Pierce, uh, I, my pronouns are he, him. And I am zooming in from the traditional homelands of the Council of Three Fires, the Ojibwe, the Odawa, and the Potawatomi, and many other nations who call the area I am now in home, but we call it Chicago these days, and I am the Chicago editor for American Theatre.
1: It's great, great to be with you again, it's been a little over a month, we we didn't, we would have, we would have normally done our off script last week, but we decided to let Thrive Week uh, to take, take the focus. Uh, that was something that TCG, TCG did, uh, putting his focus on uh, Black, Indigenous, and theaters of color and the work they're doing. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, we have a very special episode today. We would love to do these live, but we have such uh, amazing, busy people who put together a great conversation that we decided we wanted to tape this one. Uh, so we're going to play it after we've, we've talked a little bit about what the coverage we've done as American theater uh, editors and the magazine, we're gonna turn over to a conversation which we recorded uh, last week actually uh, about the search the search process behind Battlestick uh, Theater. Um, so stay tuned for that, it's called Searching for the Future. It's a great conversation, I've, I've, I've listened to it. Um, briefly, we're gonna just talk a little bit about the things we've been covering because there's been no shortage of news in the past month and change. And I wanted to start, kick, you can kick it off JR with some exciting, exciting things happening in Chicago
3: yeah uh i will start with the the work that i've been doing with uh the associate chicago editor gabriella Furtado coccino and one of the pieces she wrote recently was a look at the decisions and realities that went into one of the storefronts in chicago closing the 20 year old uh, boho theater decided to permanently close its doors and Gabriella's piece really started to capture some of the conversations we've been having both for reporting and outside of that with artistic leaders around the city who are are struggling to keep their storefronts afloat or deciding to close them entirely and start to look at the kind of funding crisis that they're in as they try to meet current production costs. Uh, There's one one former co-artistic director of the New Coordinates, Finco, uh, whose company also recently closed, uh, who called it an increasing brutal calculus, um, which just kind of strikes to the heart of how tough things are for those smaller theaters in the city. Uh, We also had reporter Amanda Finn go deep on the decision for the Chicago branch of drunk Shakespeare to unionize under Actors' Equity, Uh, It's a decision that has since spread to other drunk Shakespeare troops around the country. Uh, There's one particularly eye-opening anecdote in there from the DC company that I think shows why these folks needed someone like Equity on their side as they try to produce like fun Shakespeare while one person's super drunk. Uh, So... uh, The great thing about this is Equity stepped in not just to protect the performers, but also everyone involved, including stagehands and and, uh, folks working like the bar and all staff to make sure everyone is protected uh, as they move forward performing Shakespeare. And then finally, the last thing I wanted to point out was Lexi Silva's report on a new theater that formed in my hometown of Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, the Naptown African-American Theater Collective, which is the first Black equity-affiliated theater in the city's history. And I am very grateful as an an indie resident (laughs) at heart to see Lexi dive into not just the creation of this company, but why its creation was so important for Black artists in the city who, who now have a home to perform work that is central to their culture and their community. Um, Yeah, and then I'll kick it back to you, Rob. I know you have some things you'd like to
1: highlight. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, I'm gonna try to zip briefly through the last month or so of other features that we have that are not Chicago. There's a lot of other Chicago uh, stories to look at, so definitely check out. We have some tags under Chicago coverage and Midwest coverage you can check out. The great work that uh, JR and Gabrielle have been doing. Um, the first one I want to highlight is a is a really major story that Bill Hirschman filed from. He was based in Florida, so a lot of Florida sources there. But he spoke to people, including Chicago, someone at Steppenwolf, and and in and in the DMV area, about what we call the big crunch. The way that uh, theaters starting up production again are finding it. There's inflationary pressures. There's labor pressures. There's a lot more demands for fair pay and uh, fair conditions. And it's just, you know, uh, it's making it harder to produce, I mean, in, in ways that are affecting, dealt with a little bit in the Boho uh, closure piece. Anyway, that's a really panoramic look at some of the challenges theaters are facing. Uh, we'll talk more about that in a second of other reporting we're doing. But uh, we had a really fun dialogue that, that Woodzig, uh one of our correspondents in the mid, based in the Midwest, they hosted between Esteban Andres Cruz and Esco Jule. Uh, Two uh, trans actors who happen to be playing Feste in different productions of Twelfth Night* separately. They, I think, they met in a all trans and non-binary production of *As You Like It* at La Jolla last year. That was that was a, that was a big deal. Um, uh, and now they just happen to be. They, and they talked mainly about just inhabiting that role and the way the way that the meaning of that role and also their their careers. It's a fascinating piece. Um, and lots of fun. Uh, I'll go quickly. We have a couple of New York based pieces. Jack Serio, sort of a wunderkind uh, young director who stages uh, stripped down productions. He did Uncle Vanya in a loft recently. That's an interesting piece about his work. Alex Edelman, uh, who's got the show just for us on Broadway, which uh, I believe was at Woolly Mammoth before that. It's sort of a theater theater slash stand up piece about uh, anti-Semitism. That's actually really probing and funny. another New York piece, uh, but it's got a great regional pedigree. Candris uh, Jones's play Flex, we've written, written about before because it was literally in rehearsal and tech might even had a preview or two at the Humana Festival in March, 2020. Um, it, it, it came back to life with a co-production at Theatrical Alpha in Atlanta and at Theater Squared in Arkansas, where Candris is from, and now it's at Lincoln Center. I'm gonna see it tonight, actually. Uh, as we're taping, um, and it made, so we had a wonderful, dramaturg for the piece, Kim Ewell, uh, went on a road trip with Candace and they went to Dermot, Arkansas, the small town where she went to high school, went to the basketball courts there. It's, it's a beautiful piece, um, and it's just exciting to see the piece come all the way across the country, basically. Um, I'll go as quickly as possible. F- Robert Fareed Karimi, interesting performance artist, uh, converted and gamified, uh, a, a beautiful museum in uh, Honolulu called, the, called Shangri-La. It's a Center for Islamic Art and Design, which was Doris Duke's Hawaiian house. I believe she had a lot of collections of, of, of uh, artwork from what they used to call the Near East. Um, it's been turned into a, a, a beautiful uh, museum. And uh, anyway, <laughs> it's, it's an interesting piece about how he he had a gig to do something there And then that was killed by COVID. He sort of reproposed. Why don't we do these sort of irreverent fun games in the museum for one night? Um, Book at Rep is one of the theaters that closed recently. Uh, I'll talk more in a second about what we're doing about all the closures and crisis around the theater. We had uh, two pieces about that. Misha Burson, who's in Seattle, gave her sort of tribute to to that interesting literary theater where they uh, came with a unique way of staging uh, literary adaptations. Um, and we also had a piece from Eddie de Hayes, uh, who was all slated to do a trans and non-binary production of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which sounded beautiful. And they wrote about just the sort of crushing feeling of having that show uh, taken away from them, but or at least the, the run and, and what they're gonna do next and what's next for the field. It's it, two interesting meditations. Last two things I'll just say quickly. We had a wonderful piece from Samuel Bageln was a guest on Offscript, I believe, maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago. He runs the Cherry Arts up in Ithaca, and one of his focuses, and main focus is international work in translation. He wrote a piece um, about not just the work he does, but all the other theaters around the country, or or many of the other theaters around the country, including Chopin Theater in Chicago, which mostly presents La Mama, uh, Upstream in St. Louis, uh, uh, SENA in uh, D.C., a bunch of other theaters, play company in, in New York as well just about you know why there aren't more translations, some of the obstacles, but also some of the great rewards of doing that kind of work uh, in the US. And finally, Gabrielle's wonderful piece about Thrive, which was last week's TCG virtual gathering of theaters of color and their leaders um, to sharing success stories in, in a time when people could really use uh, some good news and, and practical strategies for how to get through this, this moment for theater. Allie, tell us about, are one of our exciting features where we, we talk to coming and going artistic director, artistic leaders uh, and managing leaders at uh,
2: American theaters. So Rob and JR have been wonderfully busy with our <laughs> Entrances and Exits series, uh, speaking with uh, leadership folks who are coming and going in various capacities. Uh, for a quick roundup, we have Michael Masso at Huntington in Boston, Maropi Peponides, at Soho Rep in New York City, Peter Brosius at Children's Theatre Co in Minneapolis. They are all leaving. And then those who are stepping in are Braden Abraham at Writers Theatre in Chicago, Tanashi Kajesi bolden and Christopher Moses at Atlanta's Alliance Theatre, and Janet Allen and Benjamin Hanna together at Indiana Rep. Um, some great conversations there. Lots to learn from leadership, both those who have been in house for a long time and those who are just taking on the reins. Uh, tune in for entrances and exits, if you are interested.
1: Yeah, there, we have a few more in the in the bank actually. Believe <laughs> it or not, um, there's just no no shortage of turnover. I think people talk about this as being a, a unique time. Actually, in most in my experience, it just seems to be happening all the time. There's a there's a revolving door. Used to be a section in the print magazine. Uh, that was in the beginning, the, the opening, it was all just who's coming and going at different theaters. Um, I want to just highlight that Janet Allen, Benjamin Hanna, that's a unique one in that it's a, it's both coming and going. Janet is, is leaving and Benjamin Hanna is is, the, is her replacement. We love to do those when we can. Um, in the case of, of Tinashe and Christopher, they are one of these uh, teams that is coming come in as co-artistic directors. So that's also interesting. Um, I uh, I just want to tease, I've been sort of teasing it throughout the conversation, um, we are in the midst of uh, a large report that our entire staff of writers is working on about this moment in the theater field. So stay tuned. If you haven't, if you've been wondering where's American theater, what do we have to say? If you've also been wondering, has anybody put together a list of all the theaters that are, have closed and are on, the, you know, having emergency issues? Yes, we have that list coming. Uh, we're sl- it's slated to come out. But I don't know when this podcast will be up on 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 the on the, as an audio podcast. But by the time you listen to this, you might be reading the story. But just stay tuned for that. It's coming very soon. Um, we're eager to share it. There's obviously a lot. As Jared can tell you, Jared was with me for 20, 2020 and 2021 uh, during the depths of COVID when there are crises <laughs> and closures. There's no shortage of things to talk about. And there's, there's no shortage of bright spots to, to shine a light on as well. But for now, we're definitely uh, looking around for what's going on, why, um, the other joke I would often tell Jr. was that our headline for half the stories could be, what the hell is going on? <laughs> so not to be flip about it, it's a really, it, there is a crisis and we're trying to, we're, we're doing our best to get our our, our minds and hearts around it. Um, so I, um, a couple months ago, we published a piece, uh, this was in April, by Seema Soeko, uh, uh, a wonderful uh, director and an arts administrator and arts leader, um, about the search process and sort of her, from her point of view, what could be better about search processes? She'd been through a number herself, uh, both as a candidate and as on a commit on search committees and Barton as a consultant. And um, that sparked a lot of interesting conversations. Uh, It also sparked a response from uh, Jocelyn Prince, who is one of the uh, owners of ALJP Consulting, which does. Very intentional search process processes um, leads them. And she wanted to deepen and broaden the conversation and actually make it more specific, also drill down on a specific case study. So what we're going to present to you right now, as soon as I stop yammering, um, is uh, a great conversation uh, about how the Rattlestick Theater, whose uh, artist director Will Davis I interviewed a couple months ago, how they how they found Will after a national search Um, It's a great conversation with Jocelyn Prince as part of it. Brian Joseph Lee is the host, especially interested to see there's a board member uh, uh, from Rattlestick, Jeff Temeckis who uh, brings a perspective, which I have not, we don't hear enough in our magazine, in our pages, The, the board, often people often point to the board with fingers of blame or credit, but we don't often talk to the actual board members about what their intentions are behind the theater and how they're holding on to the mission. Um, and I really think that's one element of the conversation. It's all, it's all good, but listen for that. Um, we're going to sign off now and hand over to the to the recording. And we will come back to you in a month with more exciting Offscript uh, uh, content. Until then, enjoy Searching for the Future. Hi, everyone. Good afternoon, and welcome to Searching for the Future.
4: How uh, Rattlestick found its new leader, Uh, I am your moderator Brian Joseph Lee. I use he him pronouns. I am a creative producer and the founder of Center Arts, which is a creative agency that centers artists, activists and communities of color. I am here with three fantastic individuals that are going to help us have this amazing conversation around the executive search process demystifying what happens to find new leaders in the field. Uh, but particularly through uh, the specific case study of the recent artistic director search at Rattlestick Theater in New York City. To do so, we'll highlight perspectives from three major stakeholders in Rattlestick Search. The firm that guided the selection process, ALJP, represented by Jocelyn Prince. The organization that conducted the search, represented by board chair, Jeff Tam uh, and the candidate themselves, Will Davis. Now, while it's important to pull back the curtain on how executive searches happen, we'll also want to name the context in which this conversation occurs. Our field is at a precipice, uh, born out of a long-term challenge with an unsustainable business model, the immediate crisis and aftermath of the pandemic, and a long overdue shift at the executive level. So any conversation about executive search has to address the real world challenges we face as audiences demand and donor support shifts and changes. So we are gonna dive right in and have some real talk about the challenges that are presented in the field, how we reimagine the search process to find future solutions in a changing industry. So first I'm gonna go around and ask our speakers to introduce themselves, uh, Jocelyn, Will, and Jeff. Can you uh, introduce with your full names, pronouns, titles, and how you're showing up in the space?
5: Sure, thanks so much, Brian. I'm Jocelyn Prince, owner and principal at ALJP Consulting. Uh, I am based in Chicago right now, which is the ancestral lands of the Kickapoo. Um, I've got a long history of work in the uh, theater space, the theater field, I also do some work in politics um, for the Democratic Party. And our firm uh, was incorporated four years ago. So I'm happy to say that we're celebrating our four year anniversary this summer. Um, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm really excited to have this conversation. I think that transparency and shining a light on this process in general is good for the field at large. So I'm, I'm happy that TCG is hosting this, this dialogue.
4: Great, hey, thank you. Will, how about you?
0: Hi, Brian. It's so good to see you. Um, I'm Will Davis. My pronouns are he, him, and I am the new Artistic Director here at Rattlestick. And yeah, I'm speaking to you today from our humble but very sweet little office in the back courtyard of St. John's in the Village Episcopal Church. <laughs> And I'm also really, really happy to have this conversation. I think more conversations like this are, are part of what we need as a field to be able to have some bigger ideas and some innovative conversations. So thank you for hosting.
6: Yeah. Um, hi, Jeff tomkita Um I'm currently a senior director at a medical um, NYU uh, Langone, but for the purpose of this conversation, uh, I am, uh, the board uh, chair at Rattlestick Theatre. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, and I've been with the board for about seven years. Um, I'm starting off as a board member and um, took over as board chair about uh, five years ago and um, led the search committee uh, as well. Um, and so uh, thank you for having us all. It's so good to kind of, one, reconnect with all these people who we work with so intensely, um, but also to talk about this process and just you know, how you know hard and wonderful it can be. Thanks, folks. All right, uh,
4: Jocelyn, let's start with you. So ALJP has led a number of senior staff and executive searches over the last four years. You've worked with New York Theater Workshop, Artist Repertory Theater in Portland, Oregon, Magic Theater in San Antonio, many, many others. Uh, So maybe just for grounding, could you give us a super quick overview of, let's say your typical executive search process, what that looks like? um and maybe how that is informed by your wisdom in the field
5: absolutely and i appreciate you saying super quick because this is very sort of (laughs) basic um every search process is unique because every organization is unique and every pool of candidates is unique Uh, but these are some basic building blocks of what we do um our search process typically takes about five months On average, we start with a sort of research and assessment phase, uh, which typically will also include a site visit where we're asking questions, we're looking through organizational documents, financial information, um, we're seeing a performance uh, uh, that the organization is producing. We're really trying to get an insider look into uh, the the company, the issues that it's facing, the challenges, what people are excited about for the future. Um, we feel that that aspect is very important because it's not just matching a list of qualifications in a resume with a job description. There's so many other nuances in bringing someone into an organization. Um, we form a search committee if one hasn't already been formed and at the senior staff level that's usually mostly staff if it's an executive level search it includes board members and we start meeting regularly with that search committee to work on things like developing the job description discussing interview questions uh, we have a bias awareness workshop that's two hours which includes interview prep uh so we really work with that Group as a deliberative body who will ultimately make the recommendation to the board or the recommendation to the leadership of who will be hired. Um, once that job description is created, uh, we have kind of a two-pronged recruitment process. Um, part of it is sort of mass recruitment, so digital recruitment on for theater positions, um, you know, art search, theater communications group, um, websites like uh, New York Foundation for the Arts. Uh, social media, our own platforms, but also we're part of various um, uh, Facebook groups, different online communities where we're circulating the job, um, and then where I think you really get your bang for your buck uh, with any search firm is uh, the grassroots aspect of recruitment. So. Our own network. Um, we've gotten our candidate database. People who have applied for positions before. You know, for example, Will um, had been a top candidate in another search that we had done previously. So we already had a relationship with him. Um, so that's uh, a big aspect. Inviting people to apply um, is really how you create a very robust, diverse list. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, as a firm will complete screening interviews uh, for candidates so we uh, evaluate the applications we um, do a round of first interviews and then a round of second interviews to come up with a presentation so we will present to the search committee in sort of a formal way uh, here's a list of 10 candidates we've had several conversations with these folks we think that they're um, RISING TO THE TOP AS FAR AS WHAT WE'VE DISCUSSED AS A COMMITTEE ARE PRIORITIES FOR THE ORGANIZATION AND WHAT YOU'RE LOOKING FOR AND THEN WE WILL FACILITATE A deliberation. Uh, AND THE SEARCH COMMITTEE WILL TYPICALLY AT THAT POINT NARROW DOWN THOSE TEN CANDIDATES TO AROUND FIVE PEOPLE THAT THEY'LL INTERVIEW AS A COMMITTEE uh, AND THEN NARROW THAT DOWN uh, TO TWO OR THREE THAT THEY INVITE TO BRING IN TO uh, INTERVIEW WITH THE REST OF THE ORGANIZATION. Um, So we work on facilitating those deliberations. We give advice on those in-person interviews. Sometimes we're on site to facilitate those interviews as with uh, what we did for Rattlestick. Um, And then we work on the hire and also the offer negotiations. So that's kind of the bigger, the big picture start to finish. Typically takes about five months, but again, um, you know, we can spend more time on certain things less time on other things, depending on the needs of the organization. For example, sometimes search committees are already formed and they're great and we don't actually have to do that that work. Um, other times not. So, um, but that's that's kind of the, the nuts and bolts.
4: I mean, that's amazing. It feels like there's a lot of rigor baked into this process, even if it is chronologically, um, maybe a short amount of time, I mean, five months, for the lifespan of an entire theater company to find its new leader. So you really try to find those anchor points to make it as robust as possible. Yeah.
5: Yeah, it's not useful, you know, and, and we try to work against this kind of sense of urgency that is so prominent in our in our field. Um, it's not useful to rush a decision like this. Um, you don't want to just like, you know, make a haphazard decision and bring someone in and just throw them into the fire like it's really important to be deliberate for the organization's sake and for the candidate's sake as well so taking time you know and and there is a lot of pressure i think especially these days when you're missing a leader of we got to get this done right now we need someone right away in the door to hit the ground running and that panic and that fear is not a good place to to make a decision from right so it's we try to be that buffer we don't have that same sort of panic because we're not in the organization and so we try to kind of be that that buffer and just say okay let's take a breath you know let's spend the extra month rather than make a bad decision and then you got a whole nother problem right right
4: i mean what you're talking about to me feels like the wisdom that comes from doing so many searches right particularly at a moment of transformation in the field um i'm deeply curious about the challenges that you've experienced um the missteps the ouch moments the learning curves this feels like a very complex uh process right and one that like is almost threading uh a needle <laughs> you got to get it just right or somebody's going to be upset so I'm curious like how do you address that? you know there's probably a lot of unintended harm that can happen. How do you name reduce repair that kind of harm as you're working um, with really really important placements not only for the candidates and for the organization but for the communities that they serve.
5: Yeah, I was thinking about this question this morning actually, um, and I was talking to one of my colleagues at AlJP. <laughs> who very vehemently said it is not our job to repair harm. Mm. Um, and, you know, and I, and I think that where that comes from is, um, you know, we all of our consultants are BIPOC or we are from marginalized groups ourselves. So we're a mission-driven firm. And if you can imagine, we're trying to work with people on how not to be racist, discriminatory, biased against other people that look like us. Um, and so that, that it, I think that there's something that is sort of psychological and can be emotional about that because we're trying to um, repair harm that is being done to us sort of in the moment. Um, and so I think that, uh, you know, discrimi- discrimination and hiring, um, you know, sort of practices that are rooted in exclusivity, like those are things that are sort of in the in the water and um i think that that harm can be done to a candidate harm can be done to a search committee member harm can be done to a consultant there's just kind of um you know things to navigate and negotiate on all sort of sides so i think that one of the challenges is sort of the personal nature of what we're doing um and you know how how it that emotional labor that is inherent in that um you know for me when a search committee is evaluating a black female candidate and they say something that is that is anti-black or that is anti-womanist that hits me in a in a different way you know what i'm saying because i can as someone who's also worked in the industry see myself in in that candidate right like i have that sort of connection um you know, and I, I think it's also really hard work. And and what, what's been so interesting about um, our firm, we founded it in 2019. And so we went through immediately the pandemic and this sort of racial reckoning. Um, uh, you know, a lot of companies were putting out statements and doing all of these trainings, but getting people to move from the hypothetical and the theoretical of that work to the practical, right? So like theoretically, you know, we sort of know that worship of the written word is an issue. Um, it's a aspect of white supremacist culture. Um, this is something that marginalizes people who are BIPOC, especially. Um, but let's take that into the practical and think about how are we analyzing these resumes? Why are we willing to cut someone because they have a typo in their cover letter? You know what? You know what? Wh- how? What communication are we privileging in this process? Um, And what assumptions are we making about people um, based on, you know, the written word? Um, And and so, you know, people can get very defensive about that, right? Because you want to say, well, no, I'm just, you know, a typo is really, really bad. And maybe it shows that, you know, exemplifies this person as careless or whatever the case may be. And so we're trying to get people to kind of say, okay, you know, yes, we understand this on an intellectual level, but how is this actually showing up In the room right now, as we're going through this process. Um, Mm. And I think that that creates a lot of fear and um, can create a lot of fear. And the other thing I'll say before I'll stop talking, I've been talking for a while, is uh, you mentioned the San Antonio search, so magic theater. So, in addition to these internal challenges, there's also the external challenges now of, you know, Texas Governor Greg Abbott last month, um, you know, signed a bill to. Uh, you know, ban DEI offices at state public colleges. So there's a hostility to the methodology that we use, the vocabulary that we use um, in some of the. We work nationwide, so in, in certain areas, it's it's a it's a different conversation. It's a different conversation in Texas about this than it is in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that is that is um, you know sort of an ongoing concern. The ruling on affirmative action. Um, You know, and how we might need to adjust what we're doing in response to some of these changes in legislation.
4: I mean, thank you for sort of threading the theoretical and sort of like what's happening in the universe to the very specific um, searches that you host. I think that's a great segue to invite Will into the space because, Will, you know, as a candidate, you've been brought into many search processes as the popular human that you are. (laughs) So I'm curious, first of all, if you could maybe like briefly describe the chronological arc of your participation participation in the search process at Rattlesticks. So like, when did you hear about the position? When did you decide to apply? How many rounds were there? Um, you know, sort of from beginning to end, what was that like for you? Just sort of like charting the, the timeline for us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, uh, well, you know, um, as Jocelyn was saying, I, I'd had some um really wonderful contact um with the firm around a different search and so i uh i i had heard that this job was going to get posted but sort of my first interaction with it was that ALJP reached out to me and asked um would I would I consider applying. And uh and my and my heart said yes and my brain said you're in tech at La Jolla for the largest production of as you like it you have ever participated in. And there's a lot going on here and I wonder if I can get the brain space to be cogent, you know. Um but uh it felt like um you know, uh, i had been on a little bit of a, a Goldilocks uh, search, um, looking for the right platform, the right institution, the right people. Um, and I had a lot of faith in what it meant about Rattlesick if they had hired a- ALJP. Honestly, mm. I felt like, OK, that, that tells me something right off the bat about the ethics and values and aspirations of the theater. Um, so I did. <laughs> I did. I have a very vivid memory of putting this cover letter together, sitting at my tech table um, really early in the morning before anyone else showed up. And the best I could do was say, you'll write it this morning and then tonight you'll look at it again. That's, that's what I can do. <laughs> um, and I was very, very happy to um, hear back that there was interest in continuing the conversation. So, yeah, I had a, um, a first round uh uh, interview conversation um with one of uh Jocelyn's colleagues um and then another conversation with Jocelyn <laughs> um and then unless and y'all can correct me if I'm wrong but then I think after that is when um we did uh a conversation that uh, folded Jeff in and the search committee we had a really fantastic conversation um, wide ranging that just felt like for me, you know, so much of this process is that obviously you want to do the very best job that you can. And of course, it's really important to be having as authentic a conversation, asking as authentic a set of questions and really trying to get a feel for um are are we are we people who aspire to not just a similar set of goals but a similar manner in which we want to try and achieve those goals and each of the conversations that i that i had from that point forward with jeff and with the search committee um just kept answering that question yes 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 mm-hmm. so um uh, uh after that i uh i did some um, Uh, what is absolutely a a standard couple of days of whirlwind interviews and conversations. And so kindly, everyone kept checking in on me to say, like, gosh, you must be this is a lot. You must be very tired. And what I honestly have to say about that is uh, that's been my experience in all searches. And I do think that one of the things an organization wants to vet is the stamina of the candidate. I, I think that is perfectly reasonable. At, you know am can can I speak um clearly with uh uh conviction um in the fourth time you know it's <laughs> an important. hour 20 right <laughs> I, I'm very <laughs> serious about that um and I came away from that process and I shared this um I shared this with Jocelyn um and with Jeff that the the manner in which I was interviewed in those couple of days um the group that had been put together, this sort of different constituents and stakeholders of Rattlestick proper and the communities that Rattlestick serves really went a long way to um, just adding to my excitement about this position. It felt um, that a lot of care had been put in place both for the search committee, for the staff. You know, it's a very big process for a staff to undergo this kind of sea change and to stay in a sort of um, framework of you know like what is possible what are we looking for change change is hard and it, it felt to me from the outside that the staff was being cared for in that way i felt cared for in a sort of nuts and bolts way of like food and water you know and breaks and sort of in the larger sense of um in all the ways that felt appropriate um that Jocelyn was a a sounding board for me throughout the weekend um answered whatever questions that she could answer and uh I yeah I left feeling um pretty full not I I didn't leave feeling drained you know uh and then I waited um and then I got this absolutely beautiful phone call from Jeff and I Jeff, I hope you won't mind my saying, I I don't think you will, but I just really fell in love with Jeff during my interview process. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, I'm sure everyone on this call would probably agree with me that the relationship between the board and leadership at the theater is how the company sinks or swims, is how how to find the gifts in adversity like all the that's that's a requirement and so understanding that i would have a real colleague in jeff and support in jeff um and space to both like dream and strategize but also to just have honest space of like i actually don't know what to do right now um that that was i was like yes yes i'm 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 on board for that so Um, This last year I've been, uh, I was teaching at Carnegie Mellon, which has, is unfortunately in Pittsburgh, and it's not very close. It's not where Philly is. Y'all, it's much farther from New York. I had to keep learning. (laughs) Um, But one of the, I, I mentioned it just because of one of the other things that felt unique and really wonderful about this process is that my predecessor, Daniela, was very involved with the onboarding. Um, I've had a prior experience, and I know a lot of my colleagues have had a prior experience of showing up, and if you're lucky, there's a note on the desk that says, like, good luck, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I was able to spend time uh, at the theater and in this office with Daniela over a full month, um, after which point uh, she was incredibly generous about saying, you know, I'm leaving so that you can step in, but call me anytime. And even now, I heard from her yesterday, which is insane because she's in nursing school, just checking in to see how I'm doing. So I think that that's a really unique component of this was that there was a lot of care and thought put into what the transition would be from leader to leader. And in fact, uh, you know, I've certainly seen that you know uh, uh, in in other scenarios that um, uh, that sometimes that leadership transition is something we want to like keep quiet and just get through. But what we've done here at Rattlestick because of the board and the staff and because of Daniela's buy-in is we've actually really lifted and celebrated that. And it's actually allowed us to do um, a lot of work towards the uh, the health of the company um, through this last chunk. I mean, I'll just speak very plainly. We, we were able to do some fundraising around this idea of leadership transition because it was such an um, intentional piece of this hire. Mm. Yeah, the okay. Pass
5: the Torch event was awesome. Um, that was great. <laughs> I think that yeah. have to go. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was really a, a like a beautiful evening where we sort of, you know, ceremonially passed the torch from Daniela to myself, and we hosted a conversation where she spoke about her work with the theater, I spoke about my aspirations, and we had an opportunity to show the community our partnership um, and where we were sort of finding each other in that transition moment. And it was, I think it was a really good call, but it was, and it was also just like a very authentic, really like heart-centered event. Um, We had a beautiful turnout and um, yeah, we've had a lot of really nice, feedback and support that's come from the community being given the opportunity to support and honor Daniela and also to offer their support for me moving forward. Yeah,
4: I just wanna say, Will, that like what I'm receiving from you definitely answers the question of what you looked for in a placement, not just that this search is sort of unidirectional and we're applying to appease, you know, the search committee, but you had um, the awareness to really clock An organization that was full of care, a process that was built on authenticity, a way for you to show up in your full sort of expression, right? Even as a practicing artist or, you know, bouncing around in Pittsburgh, like that there's a way for you to move authentically and you were met in that.
0: I mean, the one little thing I want to say in response to that is that Mm -hmm. part of why that's true is because I'm a very ambitious person. Yeah. Um, and I have a lot of ambitions for Rattlesick, and I have a lot of ambitions for what I hope for the field. And so it felt paramount to find a place where I that would feel matched and also like a community value, uh, you know. Uh, the winds blow hard against the small nonprofit, you know. So, like, are are we are we all in a space where we wanna we wanna walk in into that wind? Other otherwise, how am I gonna get done these things that I these like wishes and desires I have for how we work? You know.
4: You know, I think that that's a good segue for Jeff because, first of all, Jeff, I, it's rare for arts workers to hear directly from board leadership, particularly in these conversations. So thank you for being here. Thank you for your generosity. Absolutely. Um, And maybe a two-parter for you because Will's touched a bit on what he looked for in terms of the right fit for an organization. I know that sort of met with a very unique transition from your perspective organizationally. So obviously your search um had its primary challenges or sort of opportunities that were embedded in that. I'm curious from your perspective, what they were, but even in your response sort of thinking more broadly about what it means to meet a leader like Will, how an organization, if you're doing it right, the search process could be something that's like, oh yeah, we found the person that's right for us. But then the question becomes, how do we set that person up for success? How do we meet their ambition in a way that allows us both to thrive? I'm curious if you could speak to both parts of like, what you held during the process and like what you have to do after.
6: Yeah, uh, just to address your first part, um, you know, in terms of our process, I think, you know, if I am completely honest, obviously the first thing for us as a challenge for the board was just kind of the emotional impact of having a leader that has essentially not just let us forward, but helped in many ways form us mm-hmm. as an organization and a board because. To give credit to Daniela, you know, the board was smaller, it was maybe not as diverse, but you know, through efforts and very intentional steps, we created a community within the board itself that was very invested in Rattlestick. And in Daniela, and I think that a part of the challenge wasn't just the emotional idea of Oh, this friend and leader is leaving us, but also the board has a responsibility, you know, there's a little bit of a fiduciary responsibility to making sure that things are in line, that the Rattlestick organization can move forward, that the leader can get done what they need to get done, but honestly, that leader charts the course in many ways for the board, and so one of the things that Danielle and I had agreed to very early was that actually, while she would be very open In sharing her ideas and in the transition, she would not be as involved in the actual search process. And that would be left to the search committee and the board. And so, in some ways, you have to find agreement amongst the board on where you're going as an organization without the main person who has charted that course for the last, you know, seven, eight years. And so that presented its own challenge because other people have to step into those roles in a way that they may not have expected to step into the roles to help pull and naturally as a board chair I can do a bit of it but other board members or other staff also have to buy in so that beyond the emotional aspect and just kind of an agreement on where we would go uh, the other challenge is to think hard as a board like what's the impact of losing your leader what's the impact of Getting into this process. And then, what's the impact of bringing on a new leader, like financially, community? Par- We've spent so many years trying to move Rattlestick towards um, community partnerships, not just a focus on artists and diversity and new voices, but also bringing in new audiences and new community partners that were just there to support kind of the issues that we were focused on. And so, uh, those are some of the big challenges we went through, and and a lot of it, you know, thankfully, um, is the other side note is just the time, the time of a search for the board. I mean, Will, I think, described kind of the th- the day, the two three day onslaught of presentations and interviews. The search committee had to go through three or four of those, yeah, um, because they've got to evaluate and stay also on top and. Thankfully, you know, when selecting a search firm, one, it was an agreement that we wanted to select a search firm. It was two, one, we were so invested in really building off where we had gone, which meant remaining committed to diversity, remaining committed to like offer new opportunities for new voices and to not just, you know, Daniela will famously say she was, there was no search firm. her there was a conversation and she got the artistic director position and we had an opportunity probably to do that um Mm -hmm. but it was very much something that we agreed we didn't we have come too far to do that if we're going to really stick to our values and the mission we needed to really go through this process which is probably more time more painful in some ways but we met a partner in Jocelyn, you know, and I would just say this to anybody looking through a search term as much as a process is important. I think a connection between the main person who is kind of walking you through these are very, as, as Jocelyn stated, like there's a lot of pain and fear and um, hope as well and joy in these conversations. And you need someone who can connect with you to have some of those harder conversations that aren't represented in the formal conversations you might have with the candidate, but in the side calls that you make to just check, where are we, are we doing okay? Can you assuage our fear? Can I kind of talk to you about how to handle certain people on the board? You know, the, it's important to find somebody, and, and luckily we found Jocelyn, um, as much as ALJP, I just want to separate the two too, to give your full credit, Jocelyn, also, and just kind of that, ability to have personal conversations. Um, but I think once you go through that process and you start to like land and you hear people, um, you know, you're never really done thinking about where you should go as an organization. And it's so wonderful when someone like Will starts to articulate these ideas that start to resonate. And sometimes they're very specific. sometimes they're not. And sometimes there's just a feeling. And when you ask Ryan about kind of what can an organization do, I really believed for us, um, we'll touched a bit upon this is giving them trust, um, showing them that you trust them to take this organization, which means at least on a very tactical level, you know, you're not, your job is safe for several years, you want to experiment, then you should experiment Okay, to be okay. And what we're gonna do as the board is work with you to put ourselves in a place where financially and resource-wise, we're okay to kind of, we've all gotta balance some of these decisions, but to make it easier on you to do that. And to kind of before selecting a person like Will, who is clearly ambitious, who has great ideas, who wants to push the boundaries, the board has to sit back and say, are we prepared to give them the time to do this? And if we're not, then don't select Will because there are other candidates who might represent a different approach. And if it doesn't resonate with our expectation of what we're willing to risk or take, that is super important from a board standpoint. And I think it is on the board leadership, if it's not the entire board, to facilitate that conversation and say it so that we can put it out there and give the artistic director coming in every opportunity to do what he said he was going to do for us, which is experiment and push the boundaries.
0: Could I say one thing about that, Jeff? Yeah, lean in. That's just, um, I'm having, I'm flashing on something. Is that one of the big questions I wanted to ask when we had our first Zoom um, uh, search committee meeting was how long, in your opinions, do you think a transition of leadership takes? It's like the answer to that question was going to be very telling for me. Uh, and the answer was, it's, it's a, a really Jeff and just what you're saying that it's it takes time. It's not a season. It's not a year. It is a it is a long change. Having the stamina for actual change, having the stamina actually for systems change, for reorganization, all of that is like it's actually it's it's it's. it's um, a lot, it's a lot of stamina that is required because change is not, It, it, it change that um, is intentional ha- and has longevity does not happen quickly and is not necessarily always glamorous. Um, that doesn't mean it has to be negative or painful, but it just means that it takes time. And I, it, it was one of the main questions I wanted to ask at that juncture to understand whether the, um, this organization had a feeling that, well, oh, that's going to be a few seasons, you know? Um, and that's what I heard back. And that, that is that was a pretty big lean in moment for me to understand that there was clarity around that.
6: Yeah. And I think, you know, for us as a board and a search committee, you know, we tried to, that's the big picture of what we tried to do, but even in the immediate sense, we just tried to, You know, a lot of people came onto the board for a certain, everyone on the board has a different reason for being on the board. Um, some are connected to the leaders. some are connected to the arts itself. Some just want to be involved in some, you know, way, but to really make sure we had a roster for, will, these are the board members who are unequivocally going to be staying. And honestly, we also had conversations about those who didn't want to stay like we're about to change if now is not the time for you to stay on this board and that kind of i felt was our organizational responsibility to give will kind of that and then secondarily in a longer term like give him flexibility to kind of define how he wanted to move forward and give him that flexibility not just big picture risk but also just staffing community partners how we wanted to program these you know these are things that are important to speak um to not just the board the staff our community partners so people are also because we should take this is a new leader we shouldn't set them up for failure either to kind of always do we have the board has a relationship with a lot of these people we should start speaking these things to pave the way so that further conversations can really get into what we will want to get so uh, you know when you ask that question i think there was a luckily you know we have a very good group and and we had a lot of those conversations and were um led to led by our own kind of values and mission to really if we wanted to give new voices and you know uh, an opportunity we had to be ready to mm-hmm. accept
0: that yeah you know it, it goes back to you know part of what is um such an important value at, in the Rattlestick culture and was, and Jocelyn also mentioned it, um, that, you know, if the idea was that the person coming into this position needed to be led with this urgency, this feeling of like, you've just shown up here and we need you to make some very big decisions that are gonna have massive repercussions for a long time to come and you need to do it right now to me, that's, and, and clearly, you know, to and that's not good stewardship and right. And it plays into the, you know, sort of white supremacy culture checklist that we are, uh, you know, we, we can have big talks about it. We can understand the concept of it. And then, as you were saying, the practicalities and the nuts and bolts. Well, this is a prime example of that, of understanding that one of the things you have to offer is time, how you are thinking about the footprint of time, you know, and how you can wield it as an antidote to some of those things like like urgency, like rushing. And that's the bell, which uh, is an exciting feature of working here. <laughs>
4: <Earth> <laughs> but, bells, they let you know,
0: yeah, but that's you know, that's it's such a huge part of um, uh, ethical leadership too, and if you're in a leadership position but you feel like you're getting pressure from the board to to move at a pace that doesn't feel like is going to be able to feed the organization or you're going to be able to work with the ethics that you know you feel are ne- are necessary, then other things happen, and that of course is not is not the case here. I I do authentically feel in word and deed that there is an understanding um, that this is gonna take time and that experiment is being privileged and prioritized. And we are gonna figure out what the next chapter of Rattlestick is together, but we're not just going to try and quickly do something for the optics of it. You know? And I feel like that is part of as a field, what we're all working on because there's tremendous pressure to signal we understand we're taking care of it, we're handling it. But I have I have found that for a lot of folks, what is baked into that is rushing, is urgency, and that individuals and what they need, and sometimes their art and what their art needs is getting swept under and being um. You know, they're, be, uh, they're not being attuned to. What the work actually is, isn't being attuned to because we're so terrified to make sure that we've said the thing fast, you know? So it's interesting.
4: You know, I think, Will, when you look into your crystal ball and you talk a bit about lessons for the field, right? We're, we're focused on this conversation at Rattlestick, but I think embedded in this process, and one of the reasons we're here to unlock and demystify The process you all went through is because there might be lessons and learnings that we can share more broadly, um, particularly in this moment. Right. Let's not forget that you are not um, your placement is not an isolation of a larger systemic crisis within this industry, Um, that there are um, many circumstances outside of even Jeff and the board's control. Right. There are ways in which they can set you up for success um, internally, but cannot account for the variables externally. And so, given all of that, given where we are in the field, given that we are still seeing transitions happening right i'm curious for each of you, maybe, maybe briefly um. What is one i'd say lesson or takeaway or sort of you know a a guiding light that you would uplift something that you discovered through the course of this process that you think could be of use. As the rest of the field reckons with um, executive leadership during this particular time,
5: uh, can I, if I could start, I, I, I think for me this process because this was um, on the spectrum of inclusivity. This was very, very inclusive. Um, even the sort of community presentation that all of the candidates did were open was open to a wide variety of people. There were just a lot of voices in the process. I think that um, I think it's important for people to, um, in my opinion, be aware of that there are no like sort of heroes and and saviors who are going to come in and rescue all of us from this. We have to do this all together. And I'm talking about board staff, artists, community, government, in order for this Um, industry to get out of the survival mode that it's in now and to a place where it's thriving. Um, It's got to take a bunch of different perspectives and a bunch of different people working together. Um, You know, you mentioned, um, uh, Jeff, you know, Daniela being hired on a conversation, I just spoke to someone who that just happened <laughs> again like companies are still doing that no search no job posting no nothing just oh we know this person let's call them up do you want this job and you know those closed decisions um that are being made by heads of boards of directors and um people who are very well connected in the industry um you know i think that there is an outsized um, emphasis placed on um um uh leaders coming out of ivy league institutions the ivy league degree is great but you know not only uh, theater managers don't only need to come from yale school of drama do you know what i mean like there are other people who can actually also run theaters and so i you know i think that it's important to we need new ideas we need innovation and the only way we're going to get there is by um expanding the voices in the room the different perspectives and the different skill sets thank
4: you it takes all of us. Will, how about you?
0: I I'm uh, um I'm adding I'm adding to this theme. Um, one of the things uh, that is comes up a lot for us as an industry is that um, theaters uh, companies can feel like a real closed loop and so resource and help and innovation and everything is sort of living inside that circle and i think we now have more and more beautiful examples and precedent being set about what it means to join forces you know i uh i was saying this to jeff um uh at some point recently that you know sitting down and and asking asking yourself well how is rattlestick different from other theaters downtown other new work theaters whatever it may be is actually the wrong question the question is how is rattlestick the same as or aligned with and what is that list you know one of the sort of for me hallmarks or sort of i don't know tent poles of my understanding of good leadership is that a rising tide lifts all boats And if the work is about rising the tide, just like let, you know, the boats will go and we we also have a boat (laughs) like Mm -hmm. we're one of those boats and that the way we enrich the community, the way we bring resource to all of us is when we really commit to how the success of others is our success and how our success is the success of others, because then what we're doing is we're we're bringing in so much wealth, so much abundance, so much resource, so much new thinking. um, And that that's, that's the prize. I mean, to Jocelyn's point, yeah, there are no heroes, there are also no geniuses. And I mean, particularly in the theater, which is a group format, there, I, I as a director know that no work of art has ever been made by one person. And I am so grateful for that. And in in my in my own work, and and as a leader now here at Rattlestick, that is that is the daily mantra and understanding that we are doing this as a as a group. Yes, it's a value, but it's also um, the way we get to the new idea faster. So Mm. that's the that's the priorities. How is this how am I seeding and cultivating space for the group? And Mm. how can I think how much, how can the group, how many ways can I define that, you know, outside of what we're doing just here at Rattlestick?
4: It's a lesson. Alignment. Yeah. Jeff, final word.
6: Yeah. I, you know, a little bit to what we'll say. I think also though, it is important, I think, to kind of as I was saying about the board and some of our audience, I had a lot of conversations and people come for all sorts of reasons. And sometimes they are, in fact, like not sure where things are going. And I think that in terms of alignment, it's important sometimes to kind of recognize when people kind of aren't quite there and you know need a little more care and you know need need a little more time or explanation or kind of a different approach. And I do think this idea of the theater as a community that's out there kind of reaching out, we should use every part of that community, you know, that there are opportunities to have lots of conversations in different ways. And um I think, you know, in terms of where we are going, and there is a big, you know, white space that we can kind of go to, but there are a lot of people clawing on to kind of old ways as well. And they can be brought along It just might take a little time and we should be okay with that and we should be okay with some of the conversation because inevitably we are moving forward and it's so wonderful in this process and to see these people kind of moving it forward but in every one of our conversations we've mentioned a lot of the challenges that you know we had to slow down a little bit a couple extra conversations that had to happen we have to jettison some some big ideas for a moment, just to keep the progress moving and then get back to it. And I think that's important to realize that these are, it's still a process and it's still community and you have to bring them along. And sometimes not everyone comes as fast as you'd like them, Um, but it's all worth it.
4: I think that's a beautiful note to end on folks. Thank you so much for your time. This was an incredible conversation Uh, Yes, and have a wonderful afternoon. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bless.
0: Thank you, thank you.